everyone. Welcome to What's the Bible Say, where we look at today's topics through the lens of Scripture and answer three questions. What's the Bible say? Why does it matter? And how can we apply it in real life? I'm Stephanie here with my co-host Rebecca, and today we are going to be tackling a really tough but hot topic of the day. It's generally off limits when you gather with family or have dinner with friends, but with what's happening in our country, what's happening in our world, and since it's polled as the number one issue that Americans face today during this election year, we felt like what we really needed to do was kind of go there and examine what does the Bible say about immigration? In a poll taken by LifeWay in 2020, they were asked, what three areas influenced you most about your position on immigration? Now, this is interesting. 51% said family and friends, 46% said the media, and only 36% said the Bible. I'm so grateful that we have scripture to use as our lens. And I know I want to be part of the 36 and I know you do too, yes. Stephanie, and we want that number to grow. We are aware that immigration is a very hot topic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of tension, a lot of emotion. There's enough opinions to last a lifetime. Some have heart-wrenching stories, both of tragedy and of triumph. But we want to know, does the Bible say anything about immigration? Just to be clear, we readily acknowledge that the immigration system has a lot of broken parts. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that anybody would deny that we don't have some outdated policies. Right. And that the backlog of those seeking naturalization is a real problem. But this episode is not about choosing sides. Right. right. Absolutely. Instead, it will give us an opportunity to step back from everything from what we've heard, from what we thought, from what we felt, from what we've experienced, from what the media has told us or anything else, and do, just kind of do a deep dive and unearth what the Bible really says about immigration. So what does the Bible say about immigration? So this is such a dense topic that I think we need to break it down into some little bite-sized pieces. Yes. So obviously this is not gonna be a comprehensive discussion. So we're just gonna hit some highlights. So let's start, Stephanie. What does the Bible say about treatment of strangers in our land? Strangers, sojourners, is words the Bible uses, or foreigners, which is basically another word for immigrants. So there are a lot of verses in scripture that talk about you know, how we treat those that come into our land. And Leviticus 19 verses 33 and 34 says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So here we see God reminding the children of Israel that, hey, listen, you were strangers, so you know what that feels like to be a stranger in the land. And, and he was telling them how they were to treat those who were sojourners or strangers in the land or foreigners, what we call immigrants. Mm -hmm. Also in the New Testament, we see Matthew um, chapter 25, verses 37 through 40, where Jesus is highlighting those who, who were caring for those in need and what that kind of looked mm -hmm. like. And here's what he said. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the to the least of one of these my brothers you did it to me hmm. and so mm -hmm. caring 
for those in need is important to the Lord. It's important yes. to us as Christians. It's evident in scripture. We're to love and to minister to everyone. But I think it's also important that we drop back and put some um, hermeneutical study habits into practice mm, here and good. look at the original language. When mm. Just real quick, when you study scripture, it's important that you do it contextually in context. Because if you don't look at scripture in context, you can easily be conned. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we need to look at the original language. And that's what we're going to do here because the word um, immigrants, what we call immigrants or foreigners, is used several times in scripture. There are many words used for it in the original language, but the number one is used 92 times and it's the word gar. And in every word that it's used, that it, it conveys this one principle that it's those who are seeking hospitality in another land to live in another country, whether temporarily or permanently, are looking for legal entry. They're looking mm. to come in to the country in accordance with that country's laws and restrictions and requirements. And it's also they're coming in agreement with living peaceably mm. in that land and abiding by the laws of the land. And so if sojourners or foreigners or immigrants, whatever you want to call them, they, they entered illegally, they would be breaking the law and therefore mm. they, they would be setting themselves up or in jeopardy of being deported, which was, which was a true reality for us. We lived on the mission field. We had to abide yeah. by the laws of that land. Right, right. That is very interesting, understanding what that word means. So let's talk about what does the Bible say about deportation because we know that's where a lot of emotions run high and there's a lot of reasons we can understand why they would but does the Bible say anything about deportation? So it is very interesting that deportation is actually in scripture. You know, since the beginning of time, laws and boundaries have existed. We only get to the third chapter in Genesis when <laughs> the very first book of the Bible, right, where we find and witness the very first deportation. So let's look at that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him, talking about Adam, out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So Adam and Eve, wow. yeah, they disobeyed God's law and they crossed his boundaries. And not only that. But they didn't, God didn't just kick them out, but he put guards up so they wouldn't come back in, right? Right, right. He deported them, but then he made sure they stayed out, like they weren't yeah. allowed to ever come back. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I remember when we went to Costa Rica, we had to abide by their immigration laws. We had to yeah. abide by their rules. We couldn't just come and go as we please. They had rules of entry and rules of leaving. And they also had rules you had to go by or laws that you had to live by while you were there. And we also see a deportation of Abram in when he goes to Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. Yes. It tells us about, remember when he went, um, he and Sarah, they were leaving, they were going right. to Egypt. He tells Sarah, lie. Yeah. Like you're one hot mama, so you need to lie <laughs> and tell him I'm your brother. He, his lie caused Pharaoh to almost sin. And so Abram, he had not respected the laws of the land. He certainly didn't respect Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had him deported. I think it's very interesting to note that he had to get approval from Pharaoh to enter the land in the first place mm -hmm. and to be there. He had to abide by the laws. And when he didn't, it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 20, that, that Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So another deportation right there. Wow. So we know there are examples of deportation in Scripture, one being God himself. Yeah. He deported people 
for not obeying his laws. And just because somebody decides that they wanted to be in another country, it doesn't mean that they can just do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They There were certain rules they had to abide. Here is another interesting verse that many people overlook. In Leviticus 19.15, it says, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. So the Bible tells us that we cannot show favoritism to someone just because they're poor or just because they're rich, that we need to treat everyone with the same standards. And that includes immigrants as mm -hmm. well. Basically, God is telling us, don't make your decisions based on emotion. Right. It's easy to fall into that with immigration because there are some very hard stories. But God tells us not to do that. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let everything be done decently in order. There needs to have a plan and we need to follow the guidelines that we set out ahead of time. So what does the Bible say about rejecting someone from coming into our country at the onset? Does it really ever, is it ever right mm -hmm. to reject someone? That's a really good question. And you know what? We can look to Jesus for our example there because he certainly does not accept everyone into his kingdom. There is a particular way to enter. And mm -hmm. if you do not follow that way, then you will not enter. And let me just say that may sound harsh, but he has done everything that he possibly can to make that way available. And we all have the choice if we're going to follow that or not. But the Bible clearly states that not everyone will enter his kingdom. Listen to Matthew 721. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we know that, yes, God tells us to treat strangers and sojourners in our land with the same respect that we would treat anyone else. Absolutely. Yes. But also by God's example, our country is allowed to have laws and we're allowed and wise to remove people who do not follow those laws. Also, people are not allowed to just show up and come in mm -hmm. willy-nilly. God himself shows us that to enter his kingdom, there are standards that must be met. So when you think about all this, which is a lot to think about, why does this matter what the Bible says? Because we can get caught up in the emotions of it. We can get caught up in so many different things. We can get caught up in the medias and the social medias mm -hmm. and all the cultural ideas out there, the agendas that are put forth mm -hmm. to think like they want you to think yes. instead of to think about what scripture tells yes. us is and, right. And don't be so naive to think that there's not an agenda, that they don't have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think really the bottom line is that we need to understand that you can actually oppose illegal immigration and still be a pro-immigration person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're not contrary to one another. And right. I think that what you hear these days is a lot pitting one against the other. And some will shame you mm -hmm. if into thinking otherwise, but it's just not true. I love that stuff. Really yeah. Good. So practically speaking, let's look at why people think like they think. I think, practically speaking, we are all descendants of immigrants. We need to admit that, <laughs> right? right? When the United States was founded, there were no boundaries, there were no borders, there were no laws or citizens at the time. There was nothing to establish who could and could not come in and out of the country. But the Constitution, which was enacted in 1787, included what's called a uniform rule of naturalization. Now, after a couple of changes to that rule of naturalization, and ultimately they repealed it in 1802, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution was passed, and that was in 1868. Mm -hmm. And it gave citizenship to all who were born in the United States. Now, throughout the years, 
years, we know that there have been a number of changes in the immigration laws that have been passed and all the different policies. But today we're facing an immigration crisis in the United States. Refugees are, are definitely fleeing war-torn countries. They're looking for refuge. Families are desperate to escape terror-ridden territories. Some just want to come because you live in a second or a third world country. Coming to the United States is like a dream come true for freedom and prosperity. Right. Simultaneously, there is now an unprecedented level of hatred and hostility towards mm -hmm. our country from those who want to destroy it or fundamentally change our country. And our government, its responsibility is to protect all that we hold dear, the citizens of the United States, the boundaries of the United States. That's the government's role. And that includes protecting you and me and our children and our grandchildren. And part of that is establishing rules of immigration and protecting our border from those who really should not come in. Yes. I mean, that they shouldn't be vetting those who seek to enter our country. Absolutely. And ultimately, there are laws on the books today that could and should prevent the chaotic invasion that we see at our border today. Here's what happens. It's when a nation, including ours, does not uphold its immigration laws that we see the humanitarian crisis, the crime crisis, mm -hmm. the drug crisis. All of that is the result of not upholding the laws of the land when it comes to immigration. We see drugs pouring across the country. We see the huge uptick in human trafficking. The coyotes are taking them and they're becoming victims of human trafficking. Mm, yes. So this is there's nothing compassionate no. about the immigration flood um, that right. we see happening right now. Sickness and, and diseases spread in route while they're even trying to get to the border, let alone once they cross it. Yeah. Coyotes and cartels, they're getting rich at the expense of human lives. They don't care. They have no conscience They have no, conscience. They have no concern at all about what's happening. And for a country, there is no financial sustainability for any nation to take on millions and millions of people to house and to feed because the citizens of that country end up, and we're seeing it happen, they get put on the back burner mm -hmm. while immigrants are given housing and food and health care and the citizens are not. So it's not healthy. It's not compassionate. It's not safe mm -hmm. to not vet and even limit those who come into the nation's borders. So when a country does not uphold the immigration laws and people pour across the border, it's only creating its own humanitarian crisis and it's foolishly putting its national security at risk. So yes. this is a big deal. It is a big deal. And then, you know, kind of on the tail of that, I think about the veterans and kids that are graduating from college that need jobs. And that's really where our country should be focusing on. It's citizens. It's citizens yes. so that we can be strong nation itself. So, wow, that yeah. that's so many good thoughts there, Stephanie. This can be overwhelming, but mm -hmm. let's talk about how are we going to apply this to our lives? Um, what are we going to do with all of this? Well, you brought up such a good point about it's not an emotional thing. Some things are, it's complicated. Yes. But we're not to get caught up in the emotion of it. Remember, it's okay and healthy to have boundaries and laws. We're told by psychologists and psychiatrists, you should have boundaries in your lives. You right. Know? So just personally in our own lives, we need to put boundaries and laws in our lives that restrict us and keep us from doing things we shouldn't do. Why would we not do that for our borders? In our yeah. Country? And you think about that. How many of you would dare live without a door? Mm. You know, none of us. Or how many of you would not even look to see who's knocking at your house door? Yeah. Of course, 
before you let someone in, you're going to find out who they are right. out of wisdom. And I think that our country can follow that same principle. It's a simple principle, but it's so true. Yes, absolutely. Well, here's another idea that we can support and encourage those who are seeking to be here legally. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite memories from when my husband was an elected official, I got to go to a naturalization service and it was, you know, it just gave me a lump in my throat to see all of these dear people from all different countries, all different ages, and they would they were so proud to become Americans and to take that oath. And in fact, just this week, Ronnie got to go to another one, which he said, oh, I would, I could have told you to come too. Rebecca was like, ah, I would have no. loved to have gone. I just love it so much. But he said at this particular one, there were 40 people from 26 countries, ranging from age 18 all the way to age 86. Wow. So, um, and this is the oath that new citizens swear to. I hereby declare an oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have herefore to been subject or a citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America. Wow, that is that is powerful just to read this. I think that should be something we should teach in our schools and our kids should grow up learning. And I even, love that idea. Even like having that statement at the end of graduation year or something. Yeah, that's cool. And one of the great things we can do is to take advantage of being in relationship with mm. the immigrants God does bring across our path and show them the love of Jesus and help maybe share the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ with them yeah. and love on them. And this, for, for whatever reason, this last year, I have been able to be in relationship with several immigrants. And I tell you, it's been a really blessing. It's been a real blessing to me. And a lot of times, you know, we think, well, we need to share the love of Jesus with them, which is true. But I've been very pleasantly surprised that a lot of them do know God. And they're actually ministering to me as oh, wow. well. So it is it is an honor and we're not against immigration at all, but it is a wonderful thing when we can share God's love. So let's just say that again. We are pro-immigration. We're just not for illegal immigration. And I think the Bible is clear about those things. Yes, it is. Well, we know that we cannot fix the immigration <laughs> issue on this podcast. We, we would try. We would. I really would, seriously. Um, and we don't claim to have all the answers, no. and but we can see how the Bible addresses it, and that is actually what's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us, and if this episode uh, was interesting to you or you think someone could benefit from it, then please share it or like it, and we would surely love a review if you would take the time to do that. You can check us out at our website at whatsthebiblesay.org. We also have YouTube, Facebook, Apple, Spotify. You can find us on all of those different places. And before we go, I'd like to leave you with this quote from our very own Stephanie Schott, who's actually written kind of extensively on this topic. And I found this quote that she wrote, and I want to share it with you. Most of us have passionate perspectives about this hot-button topic, Mm -hmm. but do our beliefs stem from a rightly divided, contextual view of Scripture? That's a great question to chew on today. Have a great day, everyone. Until next time.